0: Hello everyone, my name is Amandine Flax and welcome to a new episode of Entrepreneurs Playing Games, podcast edition. About every two weeks, I host a live video stream where I deep dive into startup founder's journey after playing video games with my guests. Here is the audio version of our discussion. If you are interested in the full video, be sure to check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash and be sure to follow the channel while you are there. And for any questions, suggestions or just to say hi, you can find me on Twitter at Flax or at entrepreneurspg. Today's episode is the last interview of the year and for this occasion I am joined by Eva, the co-founder and CEO of WoodSoup. Woodsu hasn't really been communicating much on social media or anywhere else, Mm -hmm. right? I think you just put the website up. Some information is now available. Yes. But can you tell us what is Wutsu?
1: So, um, you know, we haven't been posting much in the past few months because we've been working really hard, me and the team, on Woodsu. But Woodsu is basically an on-demand grocery delivery service. So the idea started when, kind of several months back, I kind of... You know, I was sitting in my room. My mum usually shops for me for the house. I was thinking to myself, you know, like how come I can get my food delivered in twenty minutes, but why can't I get my groceries delivered in the same amount of time? And what is stopping me from doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, I dug deep into the, into this problem. I, you know, researched the background behind it, and you know, the reality is that there's no, there's really not really any infrastructure service for stores. While the big stores, say Tesco, Arcado, you know, M and and all these big shops do have their own delivery infrastructure. The main problem with it is, is that you have a minimum spend, yes. um, and sometimes they come like the next day, you know. And for someone who's like me, where I order groceries on the whim, I can't be waiting twenty four hours to get something. Um, they are releasing platforms where they do um, get stuff earlier for you guys. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with with platforms like this, they don't provide much variety. They don't provide much choice, and especially for someone who's ethnic like me, I kind of get my groceries from very specific shops. Mm-hmm. And like some of these shops don't even have delivery infrastructure. So the data behind it really supports it. You know, um, a lot of grocery shopping is not done online. So so based on last year's uh, findings, 200 billion pounds worth of uh, public spending was spent on grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. But only 12 billion of that was actually spent online on groceries. So that's, that comes around like almost 5%. So, to think of it like this, like only 5% of grocery shopping is done online, it, it really doesn't make sense in an age and an era where people kind of, you know, we want things on the whim, we want things in the same hour. So, regarding that, it's just a good way for people to, um, you know, actually, you know, start shopping um, fresh and getting new variety, and new choices because the shops we're actually working with, a lot of them don't even have, like, post systems and things they're not mm-hmm. actually very digital yeah. so bringing that platform to them where they can deliver um, groceries to customers which is what we provide is something that really hasn't been talked about before so we, we spent the last couple of months on this actually we spent six months actually working on this project and you know our findings are kind of they they're, they're coming to light every day and pretty much um, when we look at it there, there are so many problems involved and we're trying to solve them on a day-to-day basis. There's so many different reasons why people actually don't shop their groceries online. Mm. So one of the main reasons, as I already outlined, is just that it comes the next day. Like, who, who's waiting the next day to get their groceries? It's but When like,
0: you're lucky, because depending on the provider, yeah. you're going sometimes have to wait a few days.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you do have <laughs> to wait a few days. You know, that that's ridiculous. You do have platforms, like I said, Ocado do deliver it in one hour sometimes, yeah. but the choice they give you is just, it's not a variety of products, and you have to pay a, a little bit—not uh, even a little bit—a lot more extra if you're going to get it delivered in the same time. Um, and another reason is a lot of stock control systems. Um, mm-hmm. Grocery stores—the majority of them, not the normal, um, you know, big chains and stuff—none of them are digital. Like I went into a shop just last week, and you know, I was uh, speaking to the manager of it. I was like, "Okay, do you have a POS system? A POS system like a, a till system." Mm-hmm. And you know, they don't have any of this.
0: They barely have a website They are not so really a yes. website sometimes.
1: <laughs> they literally do, they have all the prices in their head. You're like, okay, yeah. what's the price of this? It was like, there's nothing on it, but I physically know hmm. what the price of this product is. And it's a lot, it's, it's the case with some green grocers, uh, it's the case for ethnic stores, it's the case for even some convenience stores. And you're thinking, you know, in 2019, we have Amazon, we have, um, you know, Acado. we have all these websites, we have all these things. Why can't these SME local grocery stores have the option of delivering to customers or being digital. Um, and we worked a, we, we worked a solution for that and we worked a solution for in the past six months.
0: Okay, and in the documents you also sent me, you mentioned several times that people's habits are changing. Yes. So who come? Who is this changing before, um, well, what is the reference and what is now what people are expecting to get?
1: So, you know, globally, shopping habits, consumer shopping habits are changing. It's, you know, nothing new. Um, you, you look at it from our perspective, you know, you're no longer um, purchasing food, you're no, you're no longer going to McDonald's to buy your food, you know, from that perspective. You're, you're ordering through Uber Eats, you're ordering through Deliverer. And, you know, there's so much data to prove it out there, you know, um, restaurant shopping, people, it's, mm. it's almost increased by, you know, 50% in the last year or so. So, when we look at it from that angle, just, just in the food sector alone, which is not even groceries, um, consumer habits are completely changing. And you look at it from our perspective, look at yourself from an introspection of what you do. Mm-hmm. You can't even wait a day for Amazon deliveries. Sometimes you want it same day. You're so <laughs> desperate, like, oh my yes. God, that thing is coming tomorrow. I cannot wait. I, I literally, I'm so impatient, I want it today. I'll actually pay five pounds to have something delivered today as opposed to tomorrow. So yeah. the, the consumer shopping habit has changed from getting things in three days, mm-hmm. which is which actually was the case. I remember, I remember 10 years ago, when you when you bought something online on eBay or whatever, you'd expected it to come within three days. That was the, that was the okay, case. Okay, 10 yeah. years ago three days. Day. Yeah, 10 years <laughs> ago is three days. Then <laughs> three gradually, days. as part of this decade, it, it became the case that it was you know, almost one to two working days. And then after that, gradually, we've come to the era of the gig economy where mm-hmm. people are asking for things same day, same hour even. So that's, that's one aspect where it's changing. Now, let's focus on the grocery sector. Yeah. So... Grocery sector is, like I said, it's it's valued around two hundred billion dollars uh, pounds actually in the UK. Um, that's expected to increase to about three hundred billion um, in the next decade, and it's gonna the the um, shopping habits of consumers are gradually going to convert to online. So the data uh, and findings you can look these up. Um, it's expected to increase to about twenty percent mm. grocery shopping online by 2023. So that's that's a lot of grocery shopping that's being online, almost you know two to threefold increase in in the next couple of years. So if that's going to be the case with Ocado and Tesco where you're getting your groceries delivered next day, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm certain that lifestyles can change. you know. And one of the things what we actually want to do at Wutsu um, to provide a new immersive shopping experience mm-hmm. is, is bring people baskets of shopping. Yeah. So what we call at Wutsu the Basket is, is a pre-curated choice of groceries that we can have from stores. So stores okay. um, that are signed up with Wutsu can have... Uh, a weekly or monthly or seasonal sort of um, setup where they can provide groceries that are um, curated for the user. For example, say uh, we have a lot of ethnic stores signed up on mm-hmm. our platform right now. We have about 50 stores signed up, okay. um, let's say one of them, for example, had pomegranates in season or um, certain meats were ready and um, uh, let's say they had different types of seasoning and things. You, bu- you bundle that. you ask the shop owner to bundle that in a box and sell it to the consumer so pr- providing them an immersive experience to actually shop and what we'll do along with that bundle is give you a recipe so we'll actually give you okay. recipes in the app this is a this is, um, concept that we're currently trying to test out and include in our um application so aside from just getting your groceries on time which is not really an immersive experience it's just functionalism mm. and you know on-demand deliveries we're going to take that step up
0: there are some some questions about about the uh, monetary aspect, okay. uh, but just before touching the money. monetary <laughs> aspect, I also <clears throat> would like to know more about how it works on both hands. Okay. So I guess it it means also. Who pays for the service?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. But
0: also, how does this work in terms of the app, the platform? Because you have to deal with shops, but also yeah. users.
1: Yeah. So again, like it is a B two B two C kind of platform where we're connecting three individuals together. Mm-hmm. So we're connecting both the buyers, the customers. Uh, sorry, the the shops, the customers, and the drivers together. And it's a yeah. So it's a three ended platform. So obviously for MVP, um, for a minimum viable product. We tried to cut an end out, so because we we wouldn't expect the anticipation of you know having so many deliveries. <clears throat> what we did was we cut out the drive ramp for the beginning, and we are outsourcing some of our deliveries to um, career company Stuart, and we're also we're doing some of them ourselves um, upon launch. But the main goal is to try and outsource because you know we can. Uh, it's better to as as founders to delegate your time elsewhere mm-hmm. where it's needed in the business. Yes. So we have that aspect of it and the what's required from from the system is that so you have the stores who give us our product they give they they give their products one of the biggest challenges um with stores is because they're not digital having to add thousands of products from their system when they don't have any sort of decent inventory management or stock control is really really difficult like it's just picture it the, the 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 kind of um way they want us to do it is go through every product, mm-hmm. scan it, and then put it on our system by the price. Okay. Which is going to be very ine- inefficient for stores that have, uh, you know, thousands, in the thousands of products. Yeah, so what which we is were...
0: quite often the case. I mean, you have a shop, exactly. so you have lots exactly. of products.
1: So, so um, one of the things we actually did, um, did with um, some of these shops, we're looking at them from a perspective of, you know, if you take some of their invoices and things, and you kind of look into them, and you ask the suppliers, <clears throat> you contact the suppliers, <coughs> you can get barcodes and things. So digitalizing their system is actually not as inefficient as we thought it was. Um, it's good because I have a background of experience from uh, working in my father's shop, who has uh, you know tens of thousands of products, mm-hmm. and adding all those into um, his post system, his payment system, his till, um, rather than taking me days by manually scanning all the items. Uh, what we did was I simply, you know, contacted the suppliers. I spoke to them. I got the barcode list, and I kind of, cur- I kind of collated them all in a sort of a database format. And then adding that to our system actually doesn't take long. It can take, you know, less than a day even for each store. So that does put everything into perspective. So once the stores give us our product, their products, we um, don't charge the stores commission um, mm-hmm. based on uh, their, their products. Because that is an Uber Eats um, delivery style model. You know, you can't do that for customers that are paying groceries. Imagine paying 30% on you know, 50, 60 quid's worth of shopping. You know, that does not make sense. Yeah. And especially if it's coming from the store itself. So one of the ways we tackle that problem is having a, um, a scalable uh, commission model. Um, and what that simply means is that the more you shop, the less your commission becomes. And this is placed onto the customer. So rather than the store itself, Uh, This is something the customer has to pay and it's actually quite a good incentive because it encourages the the, the user to make more uh, larger transactions because they'll think, okay, well, if I've got, you know, 20 pounds worth of groceries, if I order 10 pounds more, the commission's less. I'm not putting money into thin air. I might as well make this useful. So that does put the minimum spend up. Um, There are similar platforms that are offering uh, this kind of system. And you know their orders are very small. They're only making twenty-two pound average um, orders. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to increase that because it ma- it makes us more profitable, and it means that we have more stuff to deliver. So that's the variable commission model. So we don't charge the stores um, anything—a penny, a single penny—for um, being on our platform. Um, all it really takes for them to even sign up is you know sign a contract, um, and then we take your products, and before you know it, you're on our system. What we even do for them is we extend their range by three miles mm-hmm. uh, for, for the delivery radius. So some of these stores, actually, they do have delivery systems. And you're thinking, okay, if they have a delivery system, then yeah,
0: what would they be on why, the platform? why would they be
1: on the platform? Exactly, good question. So what we would do in that regard is do a joint venture. Mm-hmm. A lot of these um, place, um, companies, they either don't have a website or if they do have a website, it's not really well designed for things or it's, it's yeah. their own thing. So providing that marketplace function where people that have never heard of their store or even uh, people that have heard of their store want a more intuitive platform, we do provide that for them.
0: You have to manage drivers also. Yes. Um, What do you plan ahead? They are working with shops, consumer, but also drivers. And who do you plan ahead? The number, the need you you have for drivers.
1: Yeah, so um, of course, so initially it would be kind of silly to almost have dedicated drivers for your application. You know, you're paying a flat fee for drivers and you might not even have orders every minute or every hour or yeah. even sometimes even a day. You never know, because um, we're still building an MVP. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we do have the traction from uh, the stores that are joint venturing with us, so it means that we are getting their customers. Um, but the, the whole point is that we, in, in the beginning st- stages in the early stages, we really want to outsource the deliveries. So joint ventures obviously will deliver themselves. So that's not really a problem. Sure. So that kind of cuts that end up for us. (laughs) That's that's the easy easy. part. Yeah, that's the easy part. They do everything themselves. Um, From our perspective, it's about shops that don't have any of that. Now, some of these shops who we aren't joint venturing with, um, trying to connect them with drivers is a little bit more of an issue, but we can outsource to, like I said, Mm Stuart, which already have their own courier service and they do on-demand delivery. So using them to power the... Back model of the business is is an option for us, but then again, they do put us um, a bit more unprofitable. Because consider, it, they are a business; they charge their drivers, um, they need to make money. Yeah. So, so it
0: leaves you just a small it's a small
1: penny. And in some yeah. cases, we're actually losing out. So we're actually all losing out in some areas. Um, of the um, spectrum. but the, the main important thing is that it is generally very very profitable mm-hmm. in that sense.
0: Uh, now talking a bit more about the company itself. I think you raised a bit of money already right you, you got some institutional investment going or you may be uh,
1: no we, we had uh, so we have a couple of investors interested right now okay. and our current statement is you know wait for launch because you know we, we don't have a proper um, thing to look at you know yeah. even our sales sheets and, and our balance sheets and things. You know, a startup, if you're asking a startup before they've started really uh, for balance sheets, they can make any ridiculous number impossible. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine more. I can say I'm making a million dollars next month. You know, I would like that to be the case. <laughs> I, would, I would like that to be the case. But, you know, I don't think it's reasonable at that at this stage to just ask for investment. So we have got a lot of people very interested and, mm-hmm. and they have made us offers already. Okay. Um, and, you know, which which is really boost the motivation of the team. Um, but in that regard, we kind of just want to wait it out, see how it goes.
0: And get some traction to show that get actually some people yeah. want to use it. Yeah,
1: people want to use it. And then uh, maybe, who knows, the valuation increases, it doesn't, or it stays the same. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you know, I think it's, a, it's a probably a good idea to, to wait out.
0: And in your situation where you're building a platform that has so many people involved and different yeah. actors involved, what are investors asking you the most about? Is this about partnership, getting shops on board? Are they more asking about the end users and getting uh, visibility to mm. the end users or is it more about something else? Maybe they're asking more about just the team and, and if you can put it out.
1: So. Investors ask for a lot of things. That's that's the first yes. thing. Yeah. <laughs> they ask <laughs> for a lot of things. Yeah. They ask everything about your business. I mean, the, the biggest question they ask is definitely profitability. Especially and when you're looking at the sector, um, you can already see examples like Uber are having issues with their profitability and balance sheets and yeah. whatnot. So, you know, it is. Um, you have to put a shade like to that. The reason why this is completely different from that is, you know, our business model, we're dealing with orders that are way, way bigger than what uber eats and things are handling like you know food is about 12 you can get it from 10 to 20 pounds for a single person or up to 30 pounds but groceries you can spend hundreds of pounds of them mm. you know so it is a completely different segment in that thing and you know even a small percentage of a commission on a big order does amount to a lot so um profitability is the first thing second thing is um customers It's always customers mm-hmm. that's that's for any investor it's, it's definitely customers the joint ventures that we're currently um looking to partner with they're bringing their customers onto the platform for us, essentially. Okay. So because you don't
0: need to deal with that directly.
1: Exactly. So so we don't have to. We, we if for the beginning stages, we don't have to deal with it directly. Obviously, in future, we're going to market, we're going to advertise, and we're going to spend loads and loads of money on trying to um, attract a decent, sizable uh, customer uh, customer base. Um, mm-hmm. But for now, um, you know, I think we should. We we are pretty set for launch, which is actually in two weeks' time. So if you want to use it, you can. One of the main um, issues with a lot of startups is they try to focus on price mm-hmm. and trying to um, cut their corners by saying, you know, like, oh, we're going to offer a really cheap product. But if you put a cheap product out there, you know, you're not getting customers based on their wants, you're getting them based on the price yeah. and, the, and their needs. And so when you
0: start at you can't really compete on the price. You anyway. cannot compete
1: on the price, it's impossible. And the competing on price is one of the biggest mistakes from from uh, the experience I have, from mm-hmm. my family have, and uh, a lot of business owners I've been talking to is competing on price is. It's not something you want to be doing. Yeah. You want to be trying to get your product out there, trying to innovate, create new things, and that's literally what we're doing. You know, every week we're, come, we're buzzing with new ideas. My team <laughs> of four, we're a team of four, and like you know, the amount of ideas we come up on a on a on a weekend, like it's it's insane. We 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 start the next week like, okay, how do we how do we start this now? You know? Yeah. You know, six months ago, um, when we were at the conceptual level, to now, our business model has rapidly changed, and we want to be like that. We don't want to be set on our feet. Mm. Because um, I feel like that would be um, that would be detrimental to our success.
0: What if the big big player hmm. uh, decides to attack your market? Um, are yeah. you going to go for their market? Do you plan plan something or prepare okay. for them jumping in yours?
1: So so unfortunately, Uber is tapping into this market. They, undoubtedly, it's it's their, this is their playing field. Mm-hmm. And the thing and the advice I probably have for a lot of startups and people out there who are like oh a competitors entering my space, It'd be more innovative. You know. Um, these companies are bureaucracies. You know, they have loads of management. They have loads of hierarchies. Uh, when it comes to making a decision, it takes an awful long time. You know, like Uber, from making one decision to another, probably takes six months. Um, so okay. it's it's a uh, you got to think about it from that perspective. You're light on your feet. You're you can adapt. You can you can move around. Um, and that's not something a big company can do, like Uber, when especially when they're losing loads of money, like at, at this stage. Yeah. Where well, Deliveroo do it, they do it with shops that already have their things ready. Mm-hmm. With Literally, I'm going around to the shops myself, like this, and speaking to the manager, trying to get the contact details, trying to understand where the problem lies.
0: Mm. Okay, and so now, talking more about the team itself, so you mentioned mm. that you were just the four of you, right? Yeah. Huh? What is the composition? Uh, who is doing what in the team?
1: So, it's, it's, it's been fluctuating, uh, you know, a lot, you know, when you when you look at a startup from a general perspective, um, the CEO is expected to be the janitor as well, in that yeah. sense, yeah? So, he's he, we we're expected to do everything, whether, you know, whether you're managing people or uh, talking to clients or a developer, mm-hmm. you're expected to do everything. So, set roles in a startup are never the way to go about it. I call myself CEO, but that doesn't mean I'm a CEO, that means I am. <laughs> I am me, I'm just heaver, I'm just trying to you know, get this business going, that's it. So, but general team composition what we're actually kind of meant to be focusing on, mm-hmm. so we have a graphics designer, so, okay. and his name's Matthew. Uh, we have our financial guy, the numbers guy, math guy, his name's Xiao. and uh, we have our lead developer, his name's Stuart, and you have me, basically. Okay. And I'm, I'm sort of managing things, uh, I'm just making sure things are in order, I'm making giving people direction, giving mm-hmm. them recommendations. Um, I have a lot of experience in in business in the environment because my father, I helped him out with his business and he had a lot of inventory management. So I kind of uh, helped in that that regard. We were just an idea six months ago and now we have almost 50 shops on our platform already. And we're about to launch in just a week and a half's time. Do you feel
0: that you have to fight a lot, uh, not fight, but convince and do a lot of work with shops to um, bring them on board because you're Mm. young or do they have specific... Questions, do you think that because of your age and Mm. and the young team, in fact that you're also a young starter, you have odd questions sometimes from them?
1: Yeah, so there there is that concern, it's like, oh, okay, this is a teenager, I'm giving him access to my entire shop and possibly even my balance sheets and you're you're giving him access to um, a lot of information that would otherwise be confidential and not open to the public. Mm-hmm. And you know what, they're absolutely right. You know, giving a, stuff to a teenager is not probably the best thing to do. <laughs> yeah, so they do have a lot of concerns in that. Um, but generally, um, when I go to them and I visit them and I explain mm-hmm. the idea thoroughly and I show them the business plan and I explain to them, I give them rationale behind it, um, they tend to be very on board and actually very eager. I'm surprised, I'm really surprised of, of how eager they are. I'm getting calls all the time. Where people's like, hey, Heva, I need to sign up right now. Like, yeah. how, what's the process like? Oh, well, I'm like, Amazing. my schedule's full up. Like, even after this, I've got to go ten different other places. And wow. It's, yeah. So it's and it's Saturday. Yeah, and it's Saturday. Even like shops are trying to get me on on a Saturday and a Sunday. So it's 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 really interesting that you know, um, I would have otherwise expected it to be opposite. Exactly how you were saying, people yeah. not trusting it, but because they really don't have anything to lose apart from, um, you know, the. the Legalities and sides and that kind of thing. They mm-hmm. they really are quite open minded to it because they saw how delivery affected the restaurant industry and they don't yes. want to miss out on something like this. Yeah,
0: yeah, there was definitely a big formula there for them, especially if they're not really connected yet. Yeah, they need to skip some step and and definitely jump on what's coming next.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's that's very true. So and I think delivery now they even charge a joining fee so to join them, their platform. Um, okay. So so the. They're even making it difficult for people to join, but people still want to join them. Mm. So when we provide that service, almost for free, basically well, it is free. You know, we're not doing anything, um, and I'm giving them my time. They are very appreciative of that um, of the fact they are trying to digitize their business. A lot of them are seeing um, positive benefits already because uh, because I've got their products all um, in a format they can look at. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're also able to negotiate better rates with their suppliers and things. And that is something okay. maybe uh, we we'll look into in the future with um, data analytics and things. Yeah. yeah.
0: Data is key today, so if you can help exactly. them on that front too, definitely a big bonus exactly. for them. Um, exactly.
1: You,
0: you mentioned that you started the business six months ago, yeah. and I remember when we've met a few months ago. It was maybe three. Yeah,
1: months, it was. About? It was about three months ago. Yeah.
0: Um. You told me about how amazed you were, You were by the startup ecosystem here in London and people were helpful. So is there anything that you found especially helpful within the ecosystem that really Mm. helps you along those six months or any big thing that happens thanks to something in the community?
1: I've got to have a big shout out to my father who kind of helped me uh, get an internship at this tech company. Okay. So one of the tech companies I work at, they have an amazing CEO and he's been a great mentor to me. So, um, you know, he's got a working business and... It's very successful so when he guided my uh, business and he mm-hmm. gave me vision and he gave me um, ideas to look at it kind of put things into perspective for me and you don't really get that in any other place in the world i promise you if you go to europe and uh, other places in europe i mean you 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 probably will get a similar experience but in london because all the tech companies are f- kind of focused in one place mm-hmm. they kind of uh it's very easy to networking and leverage those contacts that help you with your business.
0: So you're launching in two weeks. Yes. Maybe who you're preparing for that, that's so. A big step.
1: It is a big step, I have to say, but we're trying to make it a small step. So we're gonna do okay. a soft launch, so we're trying to ease ease things down in the beginning because um, a lot of, uh, you know, I read a lot. I read a lot of books and mm-hmm. I try and fill up my head with knowledge from previous startups so I don't make the same failures as them. Yeah. I feel like failure is a good way to learn, but I feel like learning from other people's mistakes is probably the best way to learn because you don't have to make them yourself. And one of the big ways to make a mistake in a startup like this mm-hmm. is to over-prepare and to over-give you know, give resources, if that even is a word, um, for a launch like this. Yeah. You don't know, day one of launch, how many customers you're gonna have. You don't know how many people are gonna be on your app. So I think um, we're taking it from the perspective of let's see how it goes. We have done sufficient preparation for it, but mm-hmm. the next big step would be you know. Trying to expand as quickly as possible. Trying to get our business as profitable as possible, so we can try and um, scale it. Our current plan is obviously launch, get yeah. the business running, and uh, get the uh, business to be um, in a position where it's profitable and scalable. Mm-hmm. And at that point, which it will be very quickly, it will be very quick. Sorry. Um, consider it this way: it's a technology company. You know, we're not f- selling anything physical, nothing tangible. Um, we're selling a service. We're connecting three ends together, so it scaling globally is like it's like it's it's not as um as difficult as as things would be obviously there's a lot of legalities there's a lot of concerns and there's a lot of things um but we are hopeful to to try and expand as quick as possible you know my um helpful uh, graphic designer and potential and hopeful CEO of the company is actually in berlin so as you as he saw in the chat so he's already going out to stores in berlin and reaching out to see if there's even a market in there mm-hmm. in the first place and turns out there actually is people already on the same <laughs> hype they're like I want to sign up like, this is a great idea because in in Germany actually it's um, it's even it's probably an even better market than the UK because they don't even have um Uber Eats oh, platform, yeah yeah they don't have it okay. they, um Uber Eats kind of died out there they do I think they do have deliveroo I'm not exactly sure um, so their their platforms are very limited they have one company called Liferando, which is kind of their version of their take on delivery, but they don't really conquer the grocery market.
0: We, we talked about your team and your mm. team composition, but who did it really start It's
1: a long story and it's it's very coincidental. We met people and I pick people up at random places, you drop them off at random places, it's like a bus journey almost for us. The idea really started, um, I'd say about nine months ago, mm-hmm. but I was during school at this time, I was doing my A-levels um, and you know I was doing my exams and things and stuff. So I was sitting down in a coffee shop. I was just drinking my Starbucks coffee and I was thinking, oh God, like my mom's just texted me. She's like, go get some stuff from Tesco. And um, There's a Middle Eastern <laughs> shop down the road. She's like, okay, I need chickpeas for falafels and things. Okay. So she's like, okay, go buy them. I was just like, I just want to sit here and read my book. Like, <laughs> just leave me alone. <laughs> so it, it, it got to that point and I was like, and I was, um, at the same time, I was actually writing down business ideas on a book, Okay. so I was just writing down things, because I, I, I love the idea of entrepreneurship, I love studying my own thing, I love building things and making things happen, and that's kind of been my philosophy from day one. So, uh, as I was writing stuff down, I was like, crap, that is actually a really brilliant idea, and, you know, I, when I looked it up, there are, key, there, there are similar, you know, competitors out there, you know, there's Instacart in the US, there's InstaShop mm-hmm. in... Uh, emirates there's even competitors here in the uk doing very similar things to us not exactly the same but very similar things to us um and i looked at their models and i was like why is no one doing this this and this Mm. and when i connected the dots um i kind of put together a vision and then i kind of went home to my mom and I, i told her the idea was like oh i have this you know sorry i have this i have this idea do you think this is something that interests you and she's like yeah and essentially from serving people and asking people that question it became kind of Uh, more recognisable to me that that this is something we can solve. Mm -hmm. And along along that, so it was just me uh, by myself, I'm not very technical, I I did computer science at A-level, so I do have some experience with um, programming. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not the best, uh, (laughs) as I I have to say, but I am quite a generalist, so I can do anything from, I can even do UX design, I can do UI design, Mm -hmm. uh, I can manage numbers, I can do finance, I can do spreadsheets, so I was like, okay, I will be the generalist for the business. Now I need to find people who are gonna brush up and polish the skills that we don't have in this business because it's just a machine. And right, a okay. machine, you need all the skills. So I was like, okay, first thing I'm gonna need, numbers guy, got the numbers guy, got char. And then, then came along um, three developers who were literally like, they advertised the skills as being really, really big and we got nothing from them. And it was just a total waste <laughs> of time. And I knew they were time wasting from, from day one. I just wanted to see um, if they could even provide us something in in, in the first place, mm-hmm. um, so so that was an issue, and then luckily we found a godsend. His name's Stuart, and that guy, our team loves him to bits because he's he's built the platform to such an extent. Like you look at it now, it's like exactly how we envisioned, it, even better. So and then we found before that we found Matthew, and Matthew kind of. I found him online. Like, can you believe it? I found them. Okay. guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was met... that
0: a forum, or something with your personal S- interest, something
1: else? Yeah, it was actually through. Um, it was through a, fr- um, a friend on, uh, on Discord actually. So okay. surprisingly, so I found them on there. I was like, okay, you know, you meet people through really interesting places. You know, even the internet. So, um, and he's an our team member. I've met him in person loads of times, and we're like really good friends. And our team. Surprisingly it mingles well together like we we actually get along pretty well. So there's not really many disagreements. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I guarantee you Three months down the line would probably be an argument. That's normal in a, in a business. Always, always happens, but we've managed to get along pretty well and we solve things quickly and when one person doesn't want to make a decision uh, We we tell them okay. This is our perspective mm. is do you see it now? It's like and they understand it yeah, that's pretty much the the story of like the f- the founding team of okay. of Utsu, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really that's a really nice story. Um, and I'm like I really like how you as soon as you got the idea, you immediately came back home and, and just talked about it to your mom. Um, yeah. Some people can talk about business to their parents, some can't. It's the and only thing I, I talk about. <laughs> um, I have a question from Eddie, uh, yes. who is a big fan of. Um, open source and he asked if uh, if any uh, part of your platform is open source
1: okay um, that is something obviously Stuart m- know more about than me um, a lot of the th- things on the platform probably will be open source because um, I-, I do believe in open source okay. I, d- I do believe in the o- open source economy um, not for everything obviously for certain items that we want to keep for ourselves but I think things like you know scanning cards um, credit cards and things um, maybe some of the basic web design. And actually, most of our stuff, it is open source, like it's borrowed from open source and edited anyway, so it's, mm. it's um, uh, so yeah, like we, we will publish things, um, some things, but obviously, to keep a company um, more competitive, you can't, you can't really You can't give your source yeah. out to people, you know?
0: And uh, also, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you used to be a, a student when you started looking yeah. at some ideas to yeah. start your own business, and that's something you mm-hmm. really always wanted to do. Um, would you recommend to students to just start their own business while they are a student? Maybe on the side, or maybe As a student. get some idea or work with tech startup where they can have more uh, exposure to some entrepreneurs to get to have a better I- mm. idea of the work and how it works?
1: Okay, so my advice, and it does seem counterintuitive, kind of is the majority of students don't (laughs) it's the reason is it's not as easy as everyone thinks it's um there have been a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows and um there have been there have been points uh where you know things do get out of control and you have to put a stop to that you have to get things in order so generally um students unless they have an idea and they're very like emotionally resilient and they're Mm -hmm. strong and they think they can handle that kind of environment um I wouldn't recommend doing it because you know the amount of times uh, where I've been dealing with clients or people that are very stubborn, very arrogant. and When you try and explain something to them, they won't understand. Um, it's it's been immense, and it will put you down. It will put you down. So if you're the kind of person who's um, not so emotionally resilient, I'd say try and get experience first. Try and get some hands-on experience first, then go for it. Um, but if you are, if you think you can do it, and you know you're not doubting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, then go for it honestly look like um, I kind of as a normal thing at a start you will have to sacrifice your social life you'll have to sacrifice um, you know meeting your family even there'll be there'll be um, times you're like okay I don't even have enough time to sleep now like what do I do <laughs> you go <from> working. <laughs> Which
0: is bad. You, you need to sleep <laughs> of course yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I slept well before this interview don't worry okay. but like you know um, like it's just there's so many factors to look into. Like especially considering I still work part time to help fund this as well out okay. of my own pocket. So I go home from working to working more, and then I sleep to work. Yeah. So and there's no there's no breaks on Saturdays and Sundays. It's not like okay, uh, it's a Saturday now. Let me get my legs up and play video games. Like sure. today has been one of the it's, it's the first time in about six weeks, six or seven weeks I played a video game. So if you're Great. a student that plays video games, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be very difficult. But yeah.
0: What has been the hardest thing so far in the past six months? Has there been something that has Mm. been surprisingly hard that you didn't expect it would be that hard?
1: Getting off your feet. Okay. Yeah. So I think the biggest problem for anyone is trying to get started. You're like, how do I even start from a problem like this? What do I do? Where do I go to? Mm. What should be my first steps? And there's no really, there's not really an answer to that question. Because it's open-ended, you mm-hmm. could start anywhere you wanted to.
0: And it depends on your business. Yeah, really <laughs> exactly. On what you feel that would be the best first step, as, soon as exactly. everything goes together at the end. Yeah, <laughs> assuming
1: assume the bits go together, there there really is there's really no um, right answer to where you should start. And the, the the key is just start. Like okay. I think I think that's that's what it is. Just just begin. Like even if you have no idea what the hell you're doing, just do something anywhere. Because then slowly, bit by bit, you will figure out the steps. Um, in order to start a business yeah
0: any uh, resources or anything you'd like to share to anyone that wants to get started maybe a specific book or something that you find helpful a tip maybe just
1: anything yeah so um i recommend two things so one thing reddit is is pretty useful Um, anytime you have any you need any advice whether it's business or relationships or even people i promise you reddit has the answer like i I don't know if you use it, but it's...
0: Um, it? I used to use it a lot.
1: Used to, okay.
0: I use it less now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, But it's, it's honestly like my go-to. It's like, okay. it's like my new Google. And that is helping with so many questions I had and, and so many tips. Um, and the second thing is, if you're starting a tech company especially, mm-hmm. probably lean, uh, read the uh, Lean Startup by Eric Rise. Um, I know that's pretty... It's the cringest thing to say. A lot of startup <laughs> would will be like, oh, yes. I've read that book a thousand <laughs> times, but... Trust me, if you read a thousand more, you'll probably, it really does make sense to people. And it's it's uh, really all about filling your head with information.
0: And um, so, as we mentioned before, you mm. haven't been communicating much for now until yeah. the launch in the coming weeks. <laughs> yeah. So where can we find you online if, we, if anyone wants to have more information or follow up with you, what's the best? Yeah, way?
1: so we do have our LinkedIn pages, obviously. Yes. I, I have my, okay. public, uh, my profile set in public. The reason, like I said, for not publishing this information sooner is because I kind of wanted to have the works in secret because that's part of the startup environment. You want to hide your source away from people before you throw it out yeah. everywhere. So if you want to contact me or the team, feel free to do it on LinkedIn. Um, on the website as well, Like um, I've started it up. It's basic, that's not that's not um, anything permanent. That's going to be there only for the next couple of days actually. So if you want to, you know, after this interview or whatever, um, have a look at what we're building and have a look at um, in what we're doing, I think it's it's better to get into contact personally with one of us or the team and we'll probably work something
0: out. Huge thanks to Eva for joining me on the stream today, which is the last one of 2019. And thanks to all of you for listening to Entrepreneurs Playing Games Podcast Edition. You can find me on Twitter at Amandine Flax and be sure to check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Amandine for the full video version of our discussion and much more. Also, if you want to join the live stream and ask your own question to our next guest, Entrepreneurs Playing Games is taking place every two weeks on Saturday mornings, starting again next year. So keep an eye on our social media and I hope to see you there very soon.